0: Would you mind telling me whose brain I did put in? And you won't be angry? I will not be angry. Abby someone. Abby someone. Abby who?
1: Abby normal. This is the Abby Normal Podcast, here to tell you that you're weird and that's normal.
0: I was like singing in the car. I'm like, I probably shouldn't be singing. When I need to talk, so... So I'm Kenny Ayodeji. I'm originally from Houston, Texas.
1: OG Texan Kenny is our next evangelical refugee, though I suppose that's misleading because he's been in the San Francisco Bay Area since college.
0: That's very weird to say. Anyway.
1: The Bay is so, home.
0: Yeah, it is home. I mean, I've lived here longer than I've lived anywhere else. Yeah. So...
1: He's a musician and a singer.
2: I miss the of the good old day.
0: Every day. We I am a musician, uh, a classically trained musician. I started out in, I think, sixth grade, really pursuing music and, you know, of course, everybody in band, they had their instruments. I played the euphonium, which most people are like, what is that? It might have gone by the name tone sometimes.
1: He can continue describing that beautiful euphonium, but his true love is more familiar.
0: I just love pop music and I want to be a singer. And now that I can play piano, now I should be able to write songs and do stuff. Uh, I used to DJ for a while on the the scene for a bit.
1: Since completing a degree in music, he has been writing songs and is currently working in music.
0: Uh, I am actually a music curator. It's kind of a weird job because I used to work for, I, I was an IT director for quite a long time and got this great opportunity to go and work with a new startup to do music for workouts, which those are kind of two of my passions. I love physical fitness and I love working with music. So it was good, a good marrying of those two.
1: If you're also interested in fitness with a good soundtrack, the company is called OpenFit. What you might have noticed so far is that Kenny is multi-talented. Technology, fitness, the music spectrum from classical instrumentalist to DJ. And at any point in time, he has his hands in lots of pots. Some of this is just his personality.
0: I still am very type A, like finish what you start, do the best you can always do at all times. You know, because I always want, if you know me, I always like to have a backup. I always like to have to think about what I'm going to do. And what if that doesn't happen, have a fallback?
1: Okay. And some of Kenny's approach to life and his many talents comes from the spiritual outlook he grew up with in the church and at home.
0: It's better for you to like help, you know, serve other people and like help all these other aims and like not take care of yourself. It's like it's it's virtuous to do that, to make sure that you're handling business and and taking care of these things. And if you're needed, then do it.
1: He spent a lot of his life trying to serve other people at the expense of his own needs. But that eventually catches up with you. Kenny had to figure out how to take care of himself and speak up for all the parts of his identity.
0: You have to come out. To your Christian friends as being gay. They have to come out to your gay friends as being Christian. Right. It's very weird. We don't know who we
1: are. We'll get to all that, but we have to start with the core of Kenny's identity, which was shaped by having two busy immigrant parents.
0: They both worked like two jobs the majority of their life, so yeah. they are always out there grinding. And that was also another example for us of like, you know, you do whatever you have to do, do whatever it takes to make sure that your family and your people are taken care of right and then also like just be resourceful in figuring out ways to make the things that you need to have happen happen right. my parents weren't home a lot so you have to like okay how am i gonna get to school both my parents immigrated from nigeria oh okay i grew up in a family uh that is kind of very rooted in a lot of that culture but then also You know, we're in America, they, you know, they both came here for for opportunities when they had college. So their intent to come to the U.S. was to have a better life, to afford us opportunities to grow and to live to our fullest potential and do whatever we want, you know, those kind of things. Mm But at the same time, it's a Nigerian household, so it's like parents are like pretty strict about things, you know?
1: Yeah, that's my question. Like you said, it's rooted in that culture. Like, what what does that mean?
0: So there's a lot of – and not, not that anything is, like, too far out of the scope of normal, like, American life. Well, I guess what's normal American life now? I mean, it's, <laughs> right. But, you know, there's, like, a lot of respect that is kind of, you know, it's expected and demanded. A lot of things are sort of demanded of you. Mm-hmm. Especially respect for your parents, respect for your elders, just kind of respect for yourself. There's a certain emphasis placed upon optics on like how people sort of view you. Right. And how people view, you know, your family unit. And you don't want to like bring shame upon your family unit at all. You don't want to bring any undue unnecessary attention. You know, if you're out there doing whatever you're doing and you're excelling or killing it or whatever or you're like the smartest whatever or you became a, a doctor you know which every Nigerian parent wants their kids to become a doctor yeah. that's great but you know other than that you know you kind of want to stay in line you want to respect your parents you want to be uh, a kid that is isn't really shaking things up
1: Uh huh. sure
0: that's when the, that's when a lot of the problems and culture clash kind of come in before.
1: sure so did you feel
0: like a lot of pressure? It was, yeah, absolutely. Um, some of the pressure was obviously from expectations and structures that were sort of set. You, you're like, you're going to go to graduate school. You're going to get a graduate degree. There yeah. was like, there was never a moment in my life where I thought that that wouldn't happen. That was just kind of an expectation. Right, right. That like whatever you do, like you're going to have to do it well. And I don't know. I do feel like in some ways, oddly enough, that I don't know if parents should do this, but I think parents see potential in certain children, and they do try to foster that, which I don't think is a bad thing. Uh But then at the same time, they push those individuals way harder than the other ones. Right. And at some point, you kind of see the disparity between them of like, why... Uh Like, for instance, (laughs) I remember I was, like, a senior in high school, right? I'm a leader in the band, so I'm, like, having to be there early for rehearsal, staying late, like, working people through parts, you know, whatever the case may be. It's football season. You have games. You know, you're going to the football games. You're unloading the truck and all that stuff. And so I remember, like, getting home and getting, like, (laughs) getting chewed out for being home so late. Meanwhile. I'm sitting there like, you know, finally after all the kind of dust settled and I was like, dude, okay, whatever. You know, my mom had mentioned like, oh, well, your curfew is like 1030 or something (laughs) insane, right? Most people would be like, no, like, so then I think my brother was in like eighth grade and he would come home at like 2 (laughs) a.m. There would be no no arguments, no questions, no anything about it. Uh So it was always super weird. It's like, whoa, 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 wait. So I'm literally... Five years older than this person,
2: uh-huh. very
0: responsible. Got my sh- together, right? And my curfew is ten thirty, and he can come in at two. Like
1: <laughs> they saw promise in Kenny, hedged their bets on this kid, and put a lot of expectations on him. He said that all five of his siblings turned out awesome, but he and his sister got the bulk of the pressure to perform. And as the second oldest, he put that stress on himself as well.
0: Okay. So like one girl, four boys. Wow. Yeah, it was it was a lot.
1: Full household. All the time. Education and achievement was very important. And church was also part of family life. So you said your mom took you guys to church. Did yeah. your dad go too? He or?
0: did eventually. He wasn't like a church goer. You know, he primarily was just like working all the time or at home, just kind of chilling. Like he had really no interest. So my mom was just like, She was adamant that we were going to be, that she wanted us in church. That was a place where uh, she found a lot of support um, for herself, for us, wanted us to really, you know, be a family that was centered in church and Jesus and all of that. Uh, Was, Was
1: that a faith that she brought from Nigeria?
0: It was, yeah. She, like, practiced Islam for a minute growing up and then. I guess mid to older part of her, like high schoolish, then kind of around that time became a Christian and then brought that to the U.S. And then really as her, you know, started growing a family, started, you know, really trying to keep mm-hmm. us involved in church.
1: Do you know anything about like the religious makeup of Nigeria?
0: I don't actually now. I mean, I do yeah. feel like predominantly it is Christian just because a lot of the colonization and those mm-hmm. kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, if I look in any of the Nigerian communities, there's always a understanding of like evangelicalism that is always kind of that seems to be has been like an ever growing and wider and wider lane that I feel like more people are kind of in. It's mm-hmm. always
2: mm-hmm.
0: faith is very important. You know, you go to anything, Nigerian wedding or whatever, like there's a lot of prayer and all those kind of things. But, yeah, I feel like primarily Christianity is still the, the thing.
1: He's right. Most Nigerian Americans are Christian. In Nigeria, according to Wikipedia, it's frowned upon to not be religious. The country is basically split 50-50 between Muslims and Christians. Let's get back to the life of Kenny with my favorite period of life, the transition to middle school.
0: Because I was generally like a pretty quiet kid. I did my work, you know, really tried to excel in that. I just, you know, cool out, hang with my friends, ride bikes and play with Ninja Turtles. Like that was it. <laughs> yeah. Um. So to go from that into this other. What was
1: middle your Middle school was
0: weird was for me, actually. I mean, I was.
1: Oh, it always is.
0: My primary focus in middle school was like all around music and band. Yeah. Because I realized like pretty early on and it was, I realized it in some of the, you know, teachers that were there, band directors, like they recognized that like, He has something there and we need to like do whatever it takes to make sure that he can succeed.
1: Right, right. And
0: so when I finally was like, Oh, I'm actually good at something. Like I think I feel that might have been one of the first times where I really felt like, oh, I'm good at something and it's coming to me. I have to work hard for it, but intrinsically it's actually easy because it's kind of fun and I just have this natural propensity toward it.
1: Totally. Yeah.
0: I was also a Boy Scout. So, you know, I had my my scout friends that, you know, I think I started in fifth grade and so some of them were also middle school so that I was kind of doing the boy scout thing what else i did play football and i mean i was okay i mean i was good up until like eighth grade when kids started getting like bigger yeah then it was just like ooh, this kind of hurts now like i was the <laughs> one that was like you know crunching people up and then they're like oh we're gonna move you to the eighth grade like eighth grade a team and it was like oh no <laughs> So yeah, yeah, that yeah. that ended, you know, I, I worked the rest of that season, but I was like, I'm good.
1: This is also when church youth group becomes a part of your social life.
0: You sort of boost into this like youth group thing and you're like, oh, this could kind of be cool. And it was like, it's just, the, and it was also, it was like kind of another outlet to like have something else to do so I don't have to be stuck at home. It's right, like, right. I could go and do stuff with these some of these people and it would never be questioned. I didn't really have to, you know, justify yes. like why I'm home at like 11 instead right. of 1030 or whatever. <laughs> so that kind of helps do that and just kind of develop some friendships in there. Um, what
1: church did you go to?
0: I went to this church called Cornerstone Baptist okay. Church. It was a okay. Southern Baptist Church. It's Texas. So that was kind of a uh, so predominantly white uh, which was pretty much all of my you know, my schools were primarily white. Like I started out in a uh, private school when way younger, then went to public, and the public school is like v- much more mixed. But in general, it was still predominantly white. So there was kind of all like, and it was kind of a you know an up and coming kind of more middle middle upper class mm-hmm. neighborhood, and so that was great.
1: He now knows how impactful attending this school was to his
0: future. I realize, you know. After, you know, it took me some years to realize, like, how much my parents, like, actually strategically made a choice to be like, we will work way harder so we can get our kids in schools that have good programs and good, you know, especially even, like, like, I realized, like, how lucky I was really to have the kind of education that I had and even have from, you know, being a musician, being able to have that kind of education in high school. Totally. Like, to the point where, like, we went to college and, you, you know, people, oh, where are you from? And, like, literally... When people found out that we were from Westfield, like we were kind of hated because we would always take like all the top awards. We take all the top seats at, you know, state and all these other take all the you know, like, you're taking all the scholarships. Like, like So it was kind of interesting, but uh-huh. I didn't realize how notorious we were. But again, it was awesome for me because that was something that I never had to really think twice about. It was like, okay, they worked hard and just didn't they never complained about like, well, we're trying to do all this stuff for you and working on these jobs. You're just like, okay, well, We're going to do this to put you all here so you can succeed.
1: In general, he's thankful for the school experience his parents worked so hard to provide. And like all of us, those early teen years were about figuring out who you are and where you fit in, which was a complicated process as a first-generation American in a predominantly white school.
0: My parents were from Nigeria, so all my black friends were always kind of like, oh, well, you're not black enough because you're African. And, you know, Afrocentricity now is like all the rage. Everybody is like, you know, you know, but it wasn't always like that, you know. And so at that point growing up, it was definitely really, it was hard because you just want to fit in, right? You just want to be accepted for who you are. So, and my parents specifically did not teach us Yoruba, which is the name of our tribe and the name of, you know, the language. They didn't teach us that because they, especially when they were in America, they realized that the amount of, um, pushback and kind of hate and vitriol that was kind of coming toward them, uh, because they were foreigners, they didn't want their kids to have to deal with that. So they didn't teach us, they made a strategic, you know, decision not to teach us the language. So we wouldn't have accents so we could actually, you know, achieve and put us in places where we speak, you know, like, you know, we were in private school for years. So there's always this kind of like, uh, semblance that we were like oh well they're white because they speak really proper and you know all this stuff but it really was like no our parents and our also in nigeria you know was colonized by britain so um a lot of nigerians speak the queen's english you know they speak you know great english because that was also an additional language that everybody learned yeah so you know that was always kind of hard it's like okay for all the black people that were as my friend Tiffany would call them, regular black people. Uh, like, for all, it was like I didn't fit in because I was the African kid. Yeah. Right. Also, I didn't fit in because a lot of my friends were like white because I lived in a neighborhood and in an area that was predominantly Caucasian. Mm-hmm. So you kind of, you know, they're like, oh, well, you dress like them. You tell like you weren't, you're not black enough on two fronts, mm-hmm. you know? So eventually you realize, okay, I'm too white to be black and too black to be white. And then I'm too African to be black as well. So it's a, it was a weird equation to balance of trying to be yourself, but trying to fit in and trying to uh, just make sense of it all.
1: Studious, hardworking Kenny got into some trouble as he hashed out this new reality, the clicks and the bullies.
0: Like I started getting in trouble at school, which was like, oh, you know, why are you getting in fights? And of course, it's like, well, there weren't fights that I like either. They were fights because people were picking on me because I was a cracker or fights because like, oh, this person is like. Kind of a bad apple. They're an instigator, and they're pushing you to do something. And you're like, "Well, I guess I can do this so I can feel cool, yeah, so I can feel accepted." And then you realize, like, "I now I'm in all this trouble." And my teachers are like, "That doesn't make any sense. That's not who you like,
1: you right, right?" So it was like yep, a lot. Yep. Of, and then my parents
0: are like, "Oh, the fuck you didn't like,
1: yeah,
0: no, <laughs> you know." So it was just weird. Middle school. I haven't thought about middle school in ages, but
1: you got it figured out in high school
0: you know, the black identity kind of got that sort of knob got really turned up uh, for me Mm -hmm. or for people around me. So I even remember in high school having to deal with some people that were kind of bullies in that way, where I know there were certain hallways I wouldn't walk down because I was like, okay, I really don't want to have to deal with this person. I'm not here to fight anybody. Although I was kind of like, but I'm, I'm not the one. Like, you can do this. Like, I really, it was more of like, I want to be true to who I want to be, who, who I want to become. Right. I'm not trying to like, you know, lash out in violence because it's not really worth all of that. Mm-hmm. But I also just want like, why can't people just be nice instead of being jerks? Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it took some time, but then I kind of found my tribe in that right. Of like young African-American kids who, uh, who are like raised in households that, allowed them to sort of code switch and have to speak a little bit more proper that we're in classes that were accelerated, you know, cause a lot of was that was the other thing that also got kind of weird was like, well, you're not in any of our classes. You're in all these like above grade classes and all this right, stuff. And it's right. just like, you know, so white. I'm like, it doesn't make any sense. But in your mind, you're just like, yeah. well, that's just the class that I'm in. So, yeah. but finding those other kids that had similar uh, stories. Yep and how they were able to tra- tra- traverse that right and that was kind of a journey for me to sort of learn as well of like how we can just sort of form our new thing and have that support and then also like learn how to bridge to all these other things so that way as you know by the end of time at the end of the time it was great it was yeah, kind of like everybody is cool i mean i think a lot of that sentiment has changed now uh, especially like looking at my nephews and kids that are growing up I feel like a lot of that has changed and it's like it's actually encouraged for people just to like yeah. be who you want like if you want to be a book nerd then be a nerd Right. if right. you want to excel great you can talk and speak however you want to in elementary school like I used, to, I used to skateboard like that was a white thing like people were just like how can you be black and skateboard and it was just like now I go to skate parks all the time and I'm like it's like it got brought into the main the mainstream culture, specifically from Pharrell. He like literally made it kinda cool. Then like little Wayne hops on. Like then all really? of a sudden now it's like it's normal. It's great. And I, I love that. The point being just like you can be and do whatever you want to and it doesn't matter what the color of your skin is. And a lot of communities just a lot especially the black communities just a lot more open to kids just doing their thing and living their best life and
1: just like less rigid. If you look like this, you do this. Right. If you're from here, you do this. It's a little bit more permeable now.
0: Yes, agreed. Yes, yeah.
2: that's
1: a great. Way that I hope. Youth group so was just fun at first. Then in high school, his Christian identity started taking on a bigger role.
0: Oh, this is kind of cool, this is kind of fun. And then from there, especially because you're thinking about so many things as you're going through high school and faith, you know, you just kind of start to ask a lot of questions. And so that's where it became more of an identity really was in high school. Mm -hmm. Music didn't really start becoming a part of my church goal. Like it didn't really start to become a prominent place with church until like later on. And as that kind of happened, I started becoming really good friends with our music guy at our church. And we actually ended up becoming like best of friends over the years uh rest in peace uh now but um so that wasn't there it was more of like there's additional connection to people and it was nice to see those people that were in your youth group or you saw a church at school Mm
2: -hmm. right Mm -hmm.
0: because especially when you're getting into high school ministers and you know youth people and youth pastors and people start freaking out because it's like oh my gosh they're gonna be in high school and you know sex and music and be you know, all this <laughs> you know and so everything kind of gets ratcheted up a little bit and it was kind of nice to know that at least you had some support but then also it was kind of nice to like be able to watch other people and seeing how they're responding to things and doing things right you know at, at church they would, you know preach about like trying to get you to be a really bold Christian that was outspoken and evangelical and like invited people and like led people to Christ and all this other stuff. But the are at school, and you're like, I'm just trying to get through the damn day.
2: <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> right. Yeah.
0: It's like, you know, I'm just trying to get through this and figure this out. Like I just want to be accepted and cool. I don't want to constantly like, especially for me, I was like, I've been an outsider so long. Can I just like not be an outsider right. for a minute? Yeah. You know, so. Um, Cause at that point too, for me, I was getting more into hip hop and rock music, um, like alternative rock. And I had some, there's a couple albums that just like changed my life at that point, right? Between that and MTV, and you know, yeah, 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 like Midnight Marauders by a Tribe Called Quest. And uh, I remember being like on a boy scouting trip, and my friend, his mom let him buy a few. I think were they cassettes at that point? Might have been. I think they were cassettes.
2: Uh huh.
0: Um, but he. He was able to bring, like, Blood Sugar Sex Magic by the Red Hot Chili Peppers, 10 by Pearl Jam.
2: yeah.
0: And we, like, were on this road trip, and, like, that's all we listened to. Like, yeah. by the time we got back, I knew both albums, like, front to back. Yeah,
2: like, yeah.
0: So I was very, like, more interested in that. And, of course, you go to high school, and you see, like, people wearing, like, T-shirts of these bands and going to kind of, like, this is a world that I had no idea about. Yeah. So I'm sitting there going, like, I really, like, this is very cool and, like, you know, And I love this, I have my band thing going on, you know, orchestra and that kind of band. And then, okay, academics, I need to like stay on top of that because now it actually matters, GPAs and colleges. And then I have this Christian thing too. I'm just like, okay, this is a lot to balance. Uh
1: The Christianity thing brought some social benefits and bad decisions.
0: Some of us that were all did, you know, go to church together and kind of, you know, grow up and kind of, you know, do the high school thing together this is kind of weird to say but i guess people started growing in popularity in their circles Uh uh-huh and then sort of together so it actually became like it was like okay and cool for people to go to church and like they know that we went to church so Uh that kind of became an interesting thing i don't know it was just
1: (laughs) so um i'm originally from fresno okay And like everybody I knew and hung out with, like all went to church, like not necessarily the same church, but like everybody went, it was kind Mm -hmm. of like part of the culture there. Did you find that in Houston as well? Or no, no,
0: No. a majority of my friends didn't go to church. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, especially like uh, my scouting friends that I built, like. One of them actually kind of even had a at one point in my life, (laughs) I'm kind of embarrassed now. There's a lot of things (laughs) that I'm embarrassed. I'm like, how did I do that as a child? And who was telling me that that was okay? Like somebody needed to come get me and slap me. But (laughs) um, but most of my friends didn't go to church. And one of them, I even kind of at one point was like. I have to kind of divorce you as a friend because you're not like helping my like walk as a christian like which yeah. is like between that that thing that happens to a lot of people and they're like i'm gonna destroy all my secular music like uh-huh. that but just like i look back on it, I'm like
2: uh-huh. that is
0: hilarious yeah. and what a waste <laughs> um
1: This is a real thing, so let me try to explain. In youth group, you're hearing all the time about protecting yourself from the influence of Satan or spiritual warfare. So you're constantly assessing what could be an evil force in your life. What could be leading you away from good toward bad? So if you're like 14 years old, this energy is largely focused on friends and music, your major inputs. So the practice of breaking up with friends that might be leading you down the wrong path or throwing away in those days CDs was 100% normal evangelical youth behavior.
0: Our, the relationship they had with that particular individual did get better. And i was just kind of like, I realized later, I was like, that was just dumb. And like,
1: but you had to like break up with him.
0: Yeah, I just, I, you know, because I just felt like I wasn't being like, I was needed to surround myself with, you know, I need, because it was this whole thing with, faith and Christianity where it's like you're never really doing enough not that it's necessarily about works but it's like you know I need to be you know pure in my mind in my heart and my body and blah 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 and you're like the quickest areas to go oh well I need to make a change here this person's being a bad influence it's like you push to all those things, all those inputs, right. That yes. you're getting in your life. Right. And you, you know, unfortunately you don't realize till later on in life that it's like, it's not really about that. It's about like who you are and who you want to be. And like a lot of stuff intrinsically, Yeah. but yet you like trying to do the, you know, and it's right. just, I don't know. It's just, <laughs> I, I, yeah, if I could, if I could turn red, I'd be very like embarrassed right now. <laughs> um, Yeah, I really haven't thought about that in forever. (laughs) I'm dumb.
1: We want to laugh about this. But on the other side are teenagers being told they're a bad influence and losing a friend. And maybe they're a little dipshit who deserves it. Or maybe they're just a normal kid who grew up and is now talking about this rejection in therapy. There are consequences.
0: And there's a dis... I guess more of an insular piece about like yeah. surround yourself with just these just just the Christian people that can help you walk and blah 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 blah. Uh huh. Which is totally the opposite message, right? As an uh-huh. adult, I'm like that was the dumbest. I don't want to curse, but um... you can
1: curse. Can I? Yes. It's... Oh well,
0: now you tell me. Okay, all right. <laughs> but yeah, now I look at them. Like those are the people that were the most accepting. Were all my friends and all my like band buddies and music people, and they were just like. You know, we were, it was okay just to be who you were. Whether it was, you know, a band nerd, somebody who wasn't great at school. Somebody was, you know, class clown or just had a different background. If you were adopted, if you were like, nobody really cared.
1: Yeah. Kenny learned a lot about love and acceptance outside of church.
0: Band was kind of the, really the central hub that sort of Mm -hmm. because I was just there all the time yeah and so I really learned a lot more honestly from being a part of that community and about how the world really works and about acceptance and about love and about not letting a lot of these other things hold you down but like figuring out a way to make them work together Mm -hmm. uh surprisingly from from being in a band program with people and we were just we spent so much time together you were doing like 12 hour days. You're like literally with these people all day long. Everybody else, all your friends are, you know, at the, at the water park or going to the amusement <laughs> park and doing whatever. And you're literally outside in Houston in the 95 degree humid heat on concrete working through band stuff five, six days a week.
2: Dang. I mean, you got to the, po-
0: actually to the point where there's a state governing board around that stuff. And they basically, because of our school, were like, you have to put limits on this. This is like basically child abuse. Basically, (laughs) but, you know, we were good, so it was great. And a lot of us became music professionals, and we, like, wouldn't trade it for anything. Right, right. And, again, it made us such a tight group of people. Yeah. It's all good. It was, like, really a family and a community that was just so open and so accepting.
1: Yeah, I love that.
0: You know, and people have come out as bi and gay and trans and had divorces and marriages and like nobody cares about just like are you good you know right, are right. You, you know how you know and like let's just have some fun and live our lives and so i learned a lot so much from that yeah that influenced my faith actually and not the reverse way around right you know
1: his mom gave him the classic teenage talk about reproduction
0: Luckily, that one ended pretty quick. I think she just kind of, like, laughed it off and left, and I'm just, like, so awkward, but whatever.
1: <laughs> and, of course, he got the abstinence talk at church, which he found strangely easy to abide by.
0: Abstinence, 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 which is very, you know, late 90s sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, from, you getting that from church, which, you know, the whole, like, true love waits uh-huh. thing and the abstinence movement and, like he asked me if I signed the card earlier and I was like, yeah, I kind of signed the card and wore the ring. And it was kind of like this, like, <laughs> which is like weird. Cause it's like, yeah, there's no ring that should go on your, on your wedding finger. Like that's just, I look back and I'm like, dude, how was this a good idea? Right. Like this the was hell. the worst, whatever. I guess it is what it is, but <laughs> feeling this. And it was kind of interesting cause it was kind of like, you didn't want people to ask you about it, right. but then you, You know, like a weird Christian way you kind of wanted them to because it's like you can live your life different and you can like it was kind of easy. It was an easy way to interact with people about whatever version of faith that you were kind of Uh living or being taught or whatever without having to be like. Do you go to church? Do you know Jesus? Right. Like, right. So it was, and then just kind of this sense of pride around like, yeah, I don't, you know.
1: Yeah.
0: I haven't had sex. I'm not going to. Granted, like come to find out later. Like, of course, I totally know why I didn't, you know. <laughs> and, you know, and the thing was, again, a lot of it's because I was a very late bloomer. Like it didn't really start hitting me like yeah. for real.
2: Yeah.
0: Until... Well, like... Early college, a little bit, but then more so. It just kind of started becoming like a more forefront issue, especially around senior year of college. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Um, so
1: did you do any dating in high school?
0: Of women, yeah. Okay. But like it was – the dynamic wasn't there because I just had not matured enough. It just wasn't me. Yeah,
2: yeah. And
0: it was really funny – to look back because, you know, of course you always have kids in high school, especially in that time. They were like, they're dating whomever. They're sexually active. They end up having a child, you know, a teenage pregnancy. And in my mind, I was always just like, I don't understand why this is so hard for people. Right. Like just focus on something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And realistically now I'm like, oh, it's just because like one, I was like super suppressed. Like everything was so deeply suppressed. And then on top of that, add a layer of like, being gay on top of that it's like well yeah of course like it was almost like your my mind was trying to or something was trying to protect me from like all of that it's like I had enough going on for sure and I did keep myself super busy but oddly I mean I I think a lot of my feelings that should have been feelings romantic feelings for guys kind of got sort of rolled into just being like friendship yeah Back through my life, I see various friends that were in my life that I realize now, like, oh, you had a crush on that person. Right. But you literally didn't know because of all the ecosystem that was built around you and the structures that are built around you to tell you that that was not okay and not right and not, right. you know, you add the excuse why it was not acceptable on top of that. Yeah. So, yeah, it was just kind of like that I was, you know, you get it was getting a lot of that message. But again, it wasn't hard for me mm-hmm. because you really, like, suppress things some of it I did, some of it was just done to me, right? Yeah, so it's yeah. like some of that's just like that's just how society was, you know.
1: He was encouraged to question things at church, and he definitely did some assessment of his faith at that age as part of figuring out his identity.
0: I was a kid to, like, question things and try to, like, bring some intellect to stuff, especially with church. I mean, that was one of the things that I think was great about the pastor that we had at my church. It was, like, if you ever feel like something is not accurate, like, it is your job to work your faith out with fear and trembling. And uh, if there's something that you need to have a question about, something you don't feel like is sound, call us on it. Like, I remember that. I remember really? that. And I was like, that's kind of bold. Yeah. But... I'm like, who's going to read this to like a 15 year old that plays the tuba, like, <laughs> like whatever. I would, you know, but it was that was a good it was a good thing to hear because yeah. it also helped, kind of helped me reinforce because I mean, it, you know, there's that level of like thinking about faith and like, does God exist and all that, you know, especially being a person that was like really involved and rooted in science and having, you know, and then also trying to sort of reconcile this thing and kind of going, OK, well. Is, is there god is there not a god you know what marriage is there for living a life that conforms to at least at that particular point in life christianity quote unquote you know like if there is no god and if you are living a christian life like what does that sort of mean do you miss out is it still virtuous to do so even if there's no? like you sorry so it was like kind of good to go, go through a lot of that stuff for yeah. me because i was like i did land on basically like i feel like there's a lot of good tenets and a lot of good principles here and even if there is no God, I still don't see that the core of this faith, I still don't see negative impacts of loving your neighbor as yourself and like those yeah. things. It's like, it's right. still a good way to live. I feel like I landed pretty solidly on like, I'm going to just, I'm going to go for this. I feel like something, I think at that point is more, it was more, uh it's more cerebral than like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm feeling like in my heart. It was just more of like, okay, well, this makes sense to do these things that are good even if at the end of the day i'm totally wrong right so that's where that kind of hit totally and then later then it started getting all like emotional and stuff not that i was like you know crazy like you know, <laughs> more fundamentalist or anything <laughs> but uh but yeah i definitely started getting more of my feels later
2: this melody, yo, 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 it's coming from my heart
1: when he was getting ready to apply to college, he felt a little nudge toward a career that did not involve a stethoscope.
0: I started getting these feelings or like as we call it, like this calling to the ministry or whatever mm-hmm. to do music professionally as a church person, right? Okay. So I just kind of like went with it. I was like, well, in my mind, I always wanted to be a doctor, of course, standard Nigerian. So I was like, okay, well, I'll just do that, and I'll just do this music thing on the side.
1: <laughs> sure, no big deal.
0: Um, I made friends with the music guy that was at our church. Yes, actually, because my mom it was funny. My mom was like, "You should go to youth choir." I'm like, <gasps> "I'm an instrumentalist. Like, youth
2: choir. I don't
0: mess with. I don't. Mm, I don't do." It's funny because back in the back of my mind, I actually kind of wanted to do it, but my pride of like. I'm a pretty well-decorated, like, (laughs) instrumentalist in the state. Like, I don't need to mess with this.
2: Yeah.
0: (laughs) So I ended up going begrudgingly. It ended up being great. I was like, this is kind of awesome. I've always wanted to sing, you know?
1: After high school, he went to Baylor University.
0: And then ended up just choosing Baylor because, like, well, I was kind of getting a little pressure from my pops to like stay in stay and stay close, so I ended up going to Baylor. And I was like, "And it's a great, especially for premed. It was like one, of it's like one of the premier places in Texas. So I was like, "All right, cool, we're gonna do it." Okay. So then I went there as a music major, which was also really interesting because I was like, I was a music major, but you're, you have to you have to have a primary instrument, and at that time it was tuba. So it was like it's always it's explaining people like whoa, whoa, whoa. So you're gonna do you're gonna be a music person in a church and you play the tuba like that makes no sense. I'm right, like, right, right, right. It's just a vehicle to give me in the stupid program. Right, like, right, right, Back up off me.
2: <laughs> yes. Um,
1: so he was working on a music degree with med school still in the back of his mind. And he had the youth choir thing going on, led by his good friend Brandon. Music won out.
0: So, yeah, somehow that became a very kind of front and center issue for me. Okay. To the point where I was like, okay, should I drop this pre-med thing? Like, is this going to really be my future? Like... You know, because I always want, if you know me, I always like to have a backup. I always like to have to think about what I'm going to do. And what if that doesn't happen, have a fallback? Okay. I dropped the pre-med thing because I realized really early on, I was like, this is way, I don't have the amount of, I don't have this time. And the majority of pre-med majors end up dropping anyway, because everybody wants to be a doctor so they find out, like, how difficult it really is, right? Uh-huh.
1: He focused his studies on music. And as he was heading toward graduation
0: kind of went through with it and again there was always understanding that you're going to go get a graduate degree
1: since pre-med went by the wayside he was actually considering going to seminary we'll get to that but several things kind of happened all at once remember how kenny is multi-talented and always wants to have a plan b well he had a hobby that we'll call plan x for extreme
0: Of a detour, it's, uh-huh. it's it's kind of an important part. But I started rollerblading. It was, you know, more of the like aggressive rollerblade, all that kind of stuff you see on like TV, X games, okay, like that kind of stuff. Jumping
1: and stuff. Yeah, like
0: jumps and grinding on things and that kind of stuff. So okay. that kind of was kind of on the rise. And I, as I got to college, well, right before I got to college, started rollerblading with some band friends of mine from school. Uh-huh. Then went to college, and then it kind of like this whole world opened up. I was like, this is kind of cool. I started rollerblading, getting a lot better at it. And then I also started having an interest in web design. Okay. So, and again, this is very early on when the like internet, it was like hard to even find, like you had to still go and like buy the books from like Barnes and Noble to like right. figure out what to do. And so I made this web magazine. We would go out and like video ourselves. Okay which so video at the time was really difficult. Pictures were a lot easier. Uh-huh. So we kind of started building this sort of thing, my friend Brian and I. Um, and so we started skating and he had this idea of like doing this website, I or doing this magazine instead of just doing this website. So I changed it to this magazine and then it started like picking up a lot of momentum Okay. over the years. Um, and I would also go to all these competitions because well, why not? My dad worked for Continental at the time, now United. So when he started working for them, I you know realized that, oh, I can just fly to these places for like 10 or $20 because I was broke. So I was able to like start going to all these competitions oh and doing gosh. all the stuff. And and then eventually, at the end of my senior year, it turned into this... Because you know, I was pretty plugged into the industry at that point of what was happening. All of it was primarily in California. Uh-huh. And not that that's the thing that drew me out here, but I've always kind of had this desire to live in California. I just feel like that's my place. So I got a job offer, and I thought it was totally like not real at the time for a minute, but uh, ESPN called me. Okay. And I guess they had been following my work that I was doing with 817 Magazine, which is the name of my magazine Uh that we were doing. Uh, And they wanted me to come. They were starting this new division called the XPN for like, you know, all the extreme sports and biking and all that stuff. Uh They wanted me to come out and be the content guy for that. (laughs) Um, So I was like floored. I was like, dude, let's, let's go. But... But some things didn't work out in terms of timing like they wanted me to like come out there before and I was like I gotta finish my degree
1: right it's like
0: I've come way too far we've worked way too hard I need like two months
1: yeah yeah yeah
0: and it's like maybe I can do like some back and forth stuff where I can just figure out a way to do my classwork coursework and like finish up but they were like now we need somebody now it's like uh Uh
1: was a huge bummer. The high of a dream job offer in something he loved doing, and the emotional crash of it not working out. He finishes what he starts, so there was no way he was going to walk away from a degree at Baylor. But he had a tight-knit skating community, and things got real interesting when this community intersected with the Christian-ness of Baylor.
0: In that skater community, it's like a lot of people that are outcasts, they finally found a thing that just kind of works with them. So I learned a lot about community while I also kind of have a foot in, like probably a foot and a half in that. And then I still have like, you know, the other end trying to do ministry stuff and being involved in my church. And like the amount of times that we'd get stopped while we were skating and people would come and like try to witness to us. No. Oh, it was like it was regular. No. And so a lot of times I would just kind of play them and just be like, okay, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna hear what you have to say. <laughs> And I, like, let them talk. And then I'd be like, oh, yeah, by the way, uh, I'm actually going into the ministry. I'm actually in the church music program here at school. And they're like, uh, okay, well, uh-huh. sorry. but." And it was interesting to kind of see how people sort of would judge you based upon what you were doing or how you looked. Like, just because my pants were baggy, because I was a style at the time. Like, <laughs> my pants were baggy and we we're, like, you know, doing something that was, like, outside of your own personal comfort zone.
2: Uh-huh.
0: Doesn't mean that, one, I don't go here. You know, and two doesn't mean that like you can't judge the people's spiritual journey based upon the fact that they're out here, you know, rollerblading and skateboarding with some people. You know, it was, it was just very eye-opening yes, to me. Yes.
1: So he decided to go to seminary and pursue a master's in religious education.
0: And then I was just like kind of depressed after that. But then I was just like, well. I guess I'll just keep doing the magazine and I'll just go to seminary because like what other grad school are you gonna go to at that point? It's like, (laughs) in hindsight, I wish I would have had a better advisor that would be like, actually don't do the church music thing, just get a music ed degree. Right. Having that in a degree would actually put me in a better place.
1: Right, more options.
0: Yeah, Yeah. but it is what it is. Right. So I just kind of was like, okay, well I'm gonna just apply and if I make it in, then great, come to find out it's like, they don't reject that many people. I applied, <laughs> I got accepted, and I flew out, you know, flew the few things I had out there. It got, it got very interesting once I moved out here as an adult. I'd never really been depressed before. Like, I'd never really felt those feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you started layering on top of that, like, sexuality and all these other things. It was just like, it was really rough. Like, I should have just quit. Yeah, yeah, While you yeah. finish, what you start? <laughs> so...
1: Okay, things get a little crazy from here. Kenny is depressed. The ESPN thing happened. He's at seminary, but not super stoked about it. He's feeling kind of lost. He's a late bloomer, so questions about his sexuality have now started bubbling up. It's a lot. And then his friend Brandon, remember the music leader Buddy, has a major crisis that forces Kenny to confront all of the parts of his identity and his future options.
0: He's no longer here, so I can talk about this. He'd be fine with it. I think he'd wanted me to talk about it. My friend Brandon, who was a music guy at my church, I told you that I got, you know, we got pretty close. Even he actually was like my accompanist for my all of my audition material for, for college. Uh uh-huh. Anyway, we just became really good friends around, you know. But then ended up moving. He and his wife uh, and their newly born child had moved to uh, Arizona. Yeah. You know, we've been yeah, stayed in pretty good contact and then i started getting all these calls of like Dude, do you know where brandon is and i'm like what are you talking about like come to find out he just kind of vanished and it was like there was this mystery of like what is happening eventually like i flew out to phoenix to like try to look for him like i'm gonna have some superpowers to look for him or something and like i look back on him like oh that was just That was a part. I mean, great. He's my friend. I care a lot about him, but you know, at that time you're in college, you just think like, Oh, if I just go there and like, maybe make some phone calls, we can just track him down. And yeah. so anyway, come to find out that he was just kind of having a a crisis of his sexuality. And, you know, he basically started, he got in a relationship with a, with a, a gentleman and Meanwhile, he's like having this budding church career as this church music person they you know brought him from Houston to Phoenix and he you know things are finally like growing, and he's finally able to like and then that happened right mm-hmm. and I'm also friends with his wife, and you know his you know his daughter at the time was tiny, but so that for me was like pretty devastating because I had to really face the fact that like. Well, one, I didn't know, but I also never really thought to, I didn't know, it's like, I wouldn't have cared anyway, right? As a friend, I'm like, he's a good person. And he, you know, I love hanging out with him. He's great. And it, but I had no idea. He never confided. He never told me that. And I know he was probably frightened himself. right? But to look at it and extrapolate like, well, what does that mean for me? If somebody that's a friend, that's a hero of yours, that's a role model of yours, and this stuff doesn't work out for them, and they are way better, and way more equipped than you could ever be. Then what are you going to do? Because this shit ain't going to work out for you for sure.
1: Yeah. Now, when you say shit, what <laughs> what do you mean specifically? Like, like what's like not the career, work? like this
0: career path of like being yeah. a, a, a gay person and being in the church and doing music. It's just like these don't work like This person was like Superman to me. Yeah. And to see that person like fall from grace that far and be so internally distraught that any attempts to try to like even reconcile some of this was like, he didn't didn't want to have any part of it because he's just like, I've been fighting this too long. And tired. Yeah. It's like, I just know how this is going to end up, you know? And then you start, you know, peeling back the layers of, I guess all the, you know, the self-loathing and the hatred and the, you know, trying to pray the, pray the gay away and all these things that, you know, bargaining and, you know, you men, you name it, he's, he did it, you know, trying to make this thing work and just didn't. Yeah. So that for me, that kind of changed things for me. You know, I still went on with the seminary thing, but that's part of the reason why I got depressed.
1: Well, yeah. <laughs> on, top, on
0: top of the ESPN job, like, which, yeah, you know, I was just, I didn't know what to do. I was like, what am I going to do with my life? But I was like, dude, just, just finish what you start. Like, we'll figure it out as you go. Maybe it can be different for you. But when I started plugging into, you know, getting into seminary, which is where I met Tiffany, uh, mm-hmm. getting into seminary and kind of trying to sort it all out, I just kind of had to be realistic with myself, in so much that like do the best you can do but it's so if it doesn't work out like deep down i had to tell myself it was okay mm-hmm. yeah in hindsight i'm like why didn't i just i, I should just take a year off yeah. or just stop like i was not having fun and it right. was frankly way too easy it was like this is not <laughs> this is not graduate level like the right. first time with somebody, i was like oh we have a study guide i'm like what the f-? <laughs> Well for some reason i just so there's multiple reasons why i should have just been like nah i'm good
2: yeah yeah
1: yeah
0: and so i just kind of plugged into this church it seemed pretty cool it was an sf i have there some friends that went to that church from my uh from seminary tiffany actually worked there at the time Uh huh. so it's kind of like okay cool i'm just going to be here with my friends hopefully you know we'll see how things kind of work
1: okay yes he starts working as a lay leader at a church in san francisco
0: I was at a particular church that was not LGBTQ affirming at all. Oddly enough, it was like literally across the street from the LGBTQ center that was being built. So that was always kind of very in my mind. I'm like, what is going on here? You know, because I'd be like out in the Castro on a Saturday night. And then the next day I'd be back at church across the street from this thing. Oh, my <laughs> God.
2: Like, I don't know saw me. And- then I'm like, if
0: somebody <laughs> saw me, then what you doing out here? You're like, it's kind of like one of <laughs> those things.
1: Were you out at church? Oh, no. Mm. No. Okay, Uh, that was a dumb question. No,
0: no, I think it's a great question. It was a totally great question. I mean, you're obviously,
1: like, exploring your sexuality happily. Yeah, I was like,
0: okay, because I just needed to sort of know, right? But I
1: feel like there's got to be, like, some kind of... I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around all of this. Kenny is processing for the first time consciously that he's gay. He's doing a bit of exploring to confirm that that's the case. And he's working in a non-affirming church where he's in the closet. And he just watched his superhero, who he now knows is a gay man in church ministry, go off the rails. How the hell is he processing all of this while also attending seminary? He said that Brandon was actually there for him. At the
0: time, it was kind of like, well, I was talking to him. You know, he was kind of helping me through a lot of, like, what it means to be gay and the fact that, like, you can still have a life outside of the church and it might not, you know, this plan might not work out for you that way, but it's okay to like, he showed me like a lot of the ways of like where it's okay to have, to be a healthy gay person, like that has a life and has friends and just just look different. All right. Yeah. At that time, I guess I was a baby gay. So I was like, I don't know. I don't know anything about anything. Um, So it was good to kind of have a window in because I started kind of hanging out and kind of like going to visit and stuff more as he was kind of rebuilding his life. And that that was helpful to kind of say, okay, well, this might not work. So just start to brace yourself for that. But then also being like, well, I'm going to try to make it work because I felt some semblance of like that church was, they were trying to do some, some good things. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: At the end of the day, the heart was in the right place. It was a church that was very diverse socioeconomically, racially. There's a lot of really good, beautiful things that I think, a lot of people admired from a community standpoint. Like it's kind of rough around the edges a little bit. It wasn't like a super polished, super produced, super whatever. Um, but the people they were real for okay. the most part, you know. Mm-hmm. And you know, trying to like reach the homeless community like that was kind of a thing. they had like a uh, a meal that was served on like Wednesday night, and they would you know invite homeless people in. I mean, so those and that for me, and you know, that was a that was a heartstring puller. Yeah, of like, okay, these people are they're trying, they're right. you know trying to trying to be real. So there was a lot of that so I just kind of like really dove myself into those things. Like let me just figure out what it is to be a young adult. I mean, like just try to do it to the best you can do it.
1: Okay. He's doing the best that he can do. Then at seminary, he meets someone who channels clarity into his life in an unlikely way.
0: There was a, a guy by the name of Richard that I met. I feel like at that time he was like in his 30s. And I, at that point, I was like, oh, my God, he's so old. Right, like, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. My only friend that I have here, like over <laughs> 10 years older than I am, whatever. I was like, he's cool. He's from Houston. So we had like a lot of commonalities. We was kind of hung out. One night, randomly, we we're hanging out. And I just like, this was one of those moments where it wasn't like some like audible voice or something, but it was like something this maybe it's the spirit. I, I don't know I'm not sure presence of God whatever it was like you need to tell him that you're gay I had no I'm like I don't even know this dude I don't know you like I know you a little bit but like and this could get me kicked out of here like so I just told him and he was like dude I got you man you're, you're good I love you like don't worry about it like we'll figure it I'm, I'm here with you through this thing I'm gonna walk through this with you, which was monumental for me. I think that was one of the one of those moments that does stand out. as like, because it cognitively cognitively doesn't make any sense, right? Why at that particular time we were like out doing whatever? That I would tell this person, yeah, when they it could easily just get me kicked out, like really derail. And maybe it was self sabotage, like I don't know. (laughs) It's just like this could further derail it, but. If it wasn't for him, I don't know, like my mental health would have been, it was already pretty jacked up, Mm -hmm. but without him, I'm not sure what would have happened. I mean, he was like literally there to care for me those years up there, Mm -hmm. you know, and he even, you know, found some resources. I don't even know how he knew who to talk to at that school. Like he talked to some people that talked, you know, that connected me with somebody that could talk to about this and like really like walk me through this kind of incredible
2: yeah that's Um, awesome but
0: that's one of those moments where i knew that like i think i'm gonna be okay
2: yeah
1: he was figuring it out and now getting some support he was enjoying his castro time
0: hop on a bus come to the city figure this whole castro thing out figure it out if like Okay, am I really gay? Like, I kind of need to know, Right. for real, right. for real. Yeah, You know, and just feeling like I was alive. It like brought some, I think I just been so oppressed internally for so long yeah. that you sort of forget which way is up. You forget like, actually life can be great and feel great. It can be different.
1: But he needed to resolve the double life thing. Castro Saturday night, non-affirming church on Sunday morning.
0: And so that was great. But then, of course, then you got, you know, get back home, wake up the next morning, go to do your church thing, because that's the good Nigerian boy that I am. It's like if you're out, you know, out in the clubs until whatever time, if you're out doing whatever with your friends, that's cool. But you're going to be in church on Sunday. So that was always the. Yeah. yeah. yeah, So I would just kind of show up and do my thing and all the feelings of guilt and, you know, whatever else. And. It was a lot, but yeah. I, I needed to work through that, yeah. you know? And yeah. I kind of got to a place where I was like, okay, I'm gonna kind of, I'm gonna get out of the scene. Cause like that, I don't really feel like is a good, it's not a good representation of what life is like for real for people. Um, so then I just kind of like dial that back. There's a lot less like feelings to have to deal with feeling all guilty about stuff, but that's, you know, really at the end of it, it's all really pretty self-imposed. But, and that actually ended up being, you know, pretty great. I mean, it took a lot of the, in my face pressure off but it still didn't really deal with a lot of the a lot of the the issue i started you know telling some people
1: he finished his seminary degree moved to san francisco and found some friends he continued to work at the church for a while then he saw another one of his heroes take a hit someone who was beloved in the church gay and living a celibate life this was another example of this narrative that it wasn't possible to be both gay and be working in ministry so he took a church break, and re-evaluated for himself what he believed.
0: So yeah, took that time, started working through stuff, started thinking about my my theology, trying to think about like, what does God really think about this? We started you know going back into some parts of the Bible and scripture, and like thinking about thinking through and reading through, and trying to re you know read some books that help me sort of reinterpret and like contextualize Mm -hmm. the time that, you know, that these things were written and how this sort of plays out thinking. But the thing that really hit me the most is like logically thinking through the character of, you know, of God. Yeah. Thinking through the character of God and how that interrelates to how I was feeling about myself and what I've been taught. And, and if that was consistent at the end of the day, I came to a point where it was like not acknowledging myself for who I am, who I am, feel like I'm created to be because it's not like, you know, I talked to all my straight friends and they're never like, I had to start like, I chose one day to start liking girls <laughs> or I start, start liking boys. If they're a woman, you know, it's like, dude, it just happens. So I started thinking about that from a scientific sort of standpoint and like what's normal for folks. And then just thinking about like, well, if I am designed and created and wonderfully made, but then I'm going asking for these things that are innate in me to be changed because they're not wonderfully made. Mm-hmm. What does what does that say about my theology? Like, isn't that just, just straight up like disrespectful to this being that created you? For you to want to be something that you n- are not for you, asking for those things to be changed, which are not really in his, no, I say I said his too, I'm also trying to work <laughs> through that. Also, aren't in God's character to change because they are the way that you are literally made. It's like me going like, "I don't like being dark. Can I be like white? Can I be like mixed looking? Like you know?" But it's like, dude, there's there's just things that are immutable. Yeah, and just acknowledging that and going like, and thinking about th- you know through my life when I've had feelings about being gay and about liking men and having an attraction toward, you know, that. And it's like, it's been there all along. It's just that the infrastructures that have surrounded me have not allowed me to be. So I just kind of was like, okay, well, today's the day that I choose. I'm going to choose to live my life a little differently. And I'm going to try to open myself up to what love is and being loved and trying to be in a relationship. And kinda of see where that goes and just sort of and, and committing myself to being on a journey of exploration mm-hmm. and a journey that acknowledges that new information is gonna be presented to you mm-hmm. and being open to yes, I'm on this journey and I'm gonna be able to hold that, but I'm also gonna be able to hold it loosely. So when new information is uh or experiences are kinda of come into the picture, I can kind of reevaluate and can fit and continue to to figure out and grow my sense of self and my sense of being a gay man, how I sort of fit into this world and being a Christian and being all these things that, you know, we all have so many interesting like little parts of us that are so that we don't really integrate in. But as I'm kind of going down that, I'm like, I'm just on a journey to, to sort it. And just at that point, that was a big break for me. It was like, OK, you need to take some time off of this for real right. and, and work through who you are and who you want to become and how that looks in relation to the church instead of going I'm going to be in the church and work it out I need to figure out start with me and work toward this church thing Yes. if, that's, if that is going to be a yeah. so it kind of it's a bit of a deconstruction of faith right now I'm all about myself but am I finally
2: free salty tears in my eyes wash away memories
1: he deconstructed, started reconstructing, and began officially coming out.
0: Definitely lost some friends over that, but I kind of also realized, like, I just don't care. It's like, it's my life to live, and I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do that. So, yeah, I mean, it definitely was not easy, and even trying to figure out how I integrate back into, like, church life. I mean, that is important to me to be able to connect. I think it's more important than church is the community mm-hmm. of people that are there that kind of share of similar beliefs that are also on a journey as well. Like I want to be around like-minded people in that way, uh, because I think that you can become a better version of yourself and a better, better citizen to the world around you because of that. Yeah. But trying to figure out how that sort of looks, especially in a time when there are no places that not that there weren't any gay churches that were gay affirming, but it was a very polarizing sort of spectrum of like either you're not gay affirming or you're like hella gay, and all you talk <laughs> about and you celebrate is being gay, and right. that's and you actually forget about all the rest of the community and scripture and all those things that I felt like was important,
1: <laughs>
2: right? And that was just
0: the, that was just how it was,
2: yeah, yeah, you
0: know. So I had a friend, my friend Tiffany.
2: Uh-huh.
0: She was just like, yeah, you know, you should check out this place, this new church called Icon at the time, church plant. <laughs> so I was like, okay, cool, let's I'll try it. But I'm really like kind of uh, a little skeptical. And, but it seemed to be a lot more open-minded. And so I was like, okay, we're going to kind of rock with this. So that was my sort of journey into starting to find a healthy place to reintegrate.
1: This is where I met Kenny. In the first episode of this series, Aaron mentioned going to this church and had the same vibe as Kenny. It did feel more open-minded. I mean, Kenny was on the worship team, and you just heard where his mind was at at the time. He was basically in religious recovery. And that was great. There was that level of honesty that you could serve and worship and maybe not have everything freaking figured out. Icon didn't last long, but he moved on and eventually got to see real change.
0: Uh, but I still learned some lessons out of that sort of, I had a friend, my friend, Jason Morell, who was near and dear to me. If you listen uh-huh. to this, I love you, bro. Um, he <laughs> kind of started working at this other place and I was just like, yo, I just want to support him as a musician. Like I don't really care about this church or historically what their politics have been because uh-huh. uh, they've been super conservative and I'm like really done with like hardline places like that, that don't look at new information and don't think beyond themselves uh-huh. enough to be open or that, that insecure and afraid. Um, so I kind of put them in that box. Right. But I was like, if you're telling me it's different, I'll go and check out what you're doing and I'll support you as a musician. Cause you know, it's cool. I think you do. I think you're an awesome person. So I did that and then just kind of sort of stuck around and I was like, okay, I feel like something's kind of changing here. I'm not really too sure. And then a couple years in it's like finally, uh, have these discussions. It wasn't really it was supposed to be a discussion. It ended up kind of blowing up in some ways about inclusion. Okay. And then yeah, the church kind of it's kind of split. Like some people just left. But what was left was like a much more beautiful representation of what I think is what God wants is mm-hmm. a community of all of his people. It's just a better representation of like of that. It's just like being able mm-hmm. for people to be able to bring their whole selves, yeah. which I think is like really, you know, look at the, the through line of my whole story is like, I have not been able to bring my whole self to anything okay. from the start. It was right. always fracturing and segmenting myself off to please whomever or just to survive. So being able to be at a place where I can bring all of these pieces together and always feel like I can bring my whole self and be my whole self at all times. It's been amazing. And then to see other folks because a lot of gay people have a very similar like, I don't know, I I feel like most of my gay friends, LGBTQ friends, they all have a bad church story. They all do. It's like they're, you know, they there was a, a desire and a hunger there for some type of spiritual connection, and then they got told that they were sinful, they're going to go to hell or they're going to do whatever, you know, whatever. And that they were not loved and that they're not valued as a person and that they were what they were doing was wrong, even if they hadn't done anything, which I think is also just crazy. Right, right, right. right. Yeah, everybody just jacked because of it, right? And I think that that's a lot of the reason why the gay community is very tight-knit is because, you know, outside of all that, like there's obviously all the family stuff, but there's all the spiritual stuff too. Yeah. You know, so... um I'm super thankful just to see how many these stories and people that have kind of come in, people have been able to finally like re-engage and reconnect. You know, you know there's like a LGBTQ, like a small group that has gotten quite large, but just seeing like people be able to like work through some of those things. And not that it's like necessarily like a support group per se, but uh, just being able to like re-engage and to be like, Oh, there are other people that are like me that want to have a spirituality that got mistreated and, pushed out but they still have the desire even despite all of that and now we can like we found each other you know yeah i mean it still is a trip for a lot of people especially when you're gay because you like if you're gay you have to come out to your christian friends as being gay they have to come out to your gay friends as being christian it's very weird because people like you know because again people get so hurt they're just like why would you why would you want to be a part of this and why would you want to be a part of that have to like sort of work through their trauma to help them sort of see the merit in it and why you are there mm. but it's yeah so it's been a, it's been a crazy ride i would have never expected that from this place because i swore this particular church off years ago I was like pff, definitely i would never be there yeah. so just be careful like, never say never because <laughs> now i'm there i'm on the elder board i'm i'm like way too involved thanks jason <laughs>
1: So as far as church goes, he's in a good place now. He mentioned the pervasive LGBT experience of disconnection from family. So I asked Kenny how it's gone with his big fam and their big expectations.
0: That was actually one of the last pieces of that puzzle. I was was kind of like putting together like what my life is gonna look like as a fully integrated person. The family was the last piece. And the reason why is just because I was I wanted to make sure that I was going to do all the legwork that I needed to do and all the relational work that I needed to do for the fear of potentially being disowned. Yeah. So that was kind of like a, a cost that I thought through and was like, I need to just count that cost beforehand. Shit. It's like, So if I need to, like, say what I need to say, because I might not ever speak to this person again, then just do it.
1: You were like prepared.
0: That. Oh, yeah, I was very prepared. It took me years, years of preparing, but it's like at some point I need, to, I need to live my truth. Like I can't be this constant source of support or some center point of spirituality or a resource for like, I didn't ask for all that. I don't need to be that to my family anymore. Like it's okay to take care of yourself. It's okay to... um sort through those things and to do your own thing instead of having to always take care of other, other people, which is part of my own personality. Actually, you got to take care of yourself first. And even like, even took that to a point of like a biblical, like love thy neighbor as thyself. If you don't love yourself first, you can't, you know, love your neighbor. So yeah, it just took a while. And so that was, I was super nervous about it. My sister knew because we were pretty tight anyway, but yeah, everybody was generally pretty cool. Like I was actually primarily concerned about my dad, disowning that kind of piece um I figured my mom was probably gonna be fine and cool with it so surprisingly the dad was chill he was like actually yeah I mean I think the last 10-15 years have really just he's like really just changed yeah my mom had more of a difficult time with it which Mm. I didn't see coming but I should have Mm just because I think there's that religious sort of piece because she was kind of the spiritual center of our home. Yeah. And just frankly, the parental center of our home, period. Yeah. And so the optics of it all and like all, the you know, so that was a little bit difficult. But at the same time, I was just kind of like, it's okay for you to be where you're at. It's taken me this long for me and I live this shit to get to a place where I can accept myself. And have something like, I'm not expecting anybody to, to come around in a day or a month or even at all. Mm-hmm. It's a process and that's something you have to live with. Mm-hmm. But I no longer have to live with all of the weight from not telling you. So I'm freeing myself up. right? And be where you're at, that's fine. We can kind of see how it sort of goes, as long as this just have a mutual respect there. That's cool, uh, mutual respect for my partner. But if you don't agree, then you don't agree.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, so she's definitely come along in the in the years. It hasn't been easy for her, I don't think. But my whole thing was like, you're on your journey, and I'm not gonna, you know, have some friends that are like really won't accept their parents not understanding. And I'm just like, there's people from a different generation, a different time. Mm -hmm. They've lived much longer lives than you in that box. Yep. And it's taking you, your life and you live it every day, 24 seven to get to a point of acceptance. Like give it some time, Yeah. like give them that space, grant them the thing that you did not have. Mm -hmm. Space to process and no judgment. Right. And I think that's really hard because I think a lot of LGBTQ people who our Christians want that parent connection. they want the family unit they want that reconnection because that is a part of kind of bringing your whole self yeah that like that's a part of it, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm just kind of like I am who I am and if I'm good enough for you great and if I'm not great
2: mm-hmm. like
0: you do you I'm here if you want to talk. I don't have any hard feelings towards you. If it doesn't work out for your uh, value system, I guess I'll see you when I see you and no hard feelings on my part. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm confident enough as a person to where I don't need your approval. You know, I've been working my whole life for your approval and I've been doing a damn good job of like handling my business. So like you do you.
1: He's worked through a lot to get to this point. But it hasn't been on his own. A lot of therapy. Yeah.
0: I left that out. Like, a lot of therapy the last few years.
1: Now he's working to connect with other LGBTQ people of faith.
0: Trying to connect with people who were gay and Christian. It's like, that is a recent, a very recent kind of occurrence now that people are organizing and trying to figure out ways to for us you know people who are people of faith and whatever faith background to realize there are other folks that have the same or similar or evolving values yeah so it's kind of different
1: so why why does he want to continue being part of a church community
0: it's important to me i've always felt a need there's always been a spiritual connection for me i think we're all spiritual beings and it's and it's important to be able to reconnect with that especially as a person who is other you work so much of your life trying to please other people so you can fit in when realistically what you need to do is reconnect the pieces of yourself and then just be and churches aren't places where they're going to be perfect because people are involved mm-hmm. you know so but it's a place that kind of continues to bring me back to a groundedness and a a realization of my full self around that's going to challenge my thinking. It's going to create some community and it's going to be real as it can and be evolving. Like there are still things that are like, that need to change, but it's the journey and the trajectory that we're on that I see is been great. So that's why, I mean, that's why I still attend. That's why I still go because because it is evolved into something that is not just a, I'm being preached at or talked at but a place where I'm supposed to go and like chat, you know, be challenged and intellectually like think through things and being able to like reach out beyond myself and to be with the people that are on the fringes and that be like smiled upon instead of frowned upon.
2: Yeah.
0: And being able to connect with other people and connect with God. Like I feel like so much more whole. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Kenny watched those he looked up to get crucified or destroy their lives because of one narrative. It doesn't work out. You can't serve God in a church and also be gay. So he had to write a new story. He's Elder Kenny now, acting on the board for City Hope. He said that he feels the spirit of the divine most fully when they're focused on helping people, seeing dignities restored, in moments of meeting people's needs, physically or socially. And even though Kenny said he chooses to go to church because of the community, the inclusiveness, being able to bring his full self, he also said he's received that gift in other communities. His band family in high school, his skater gang in college. It is possible to build those relationships outside the church doors. But for now, he's where he's supposed to be. Building a bridge and cracking open the door to let in other folks who were told they couldn't be them and be
2: inside.
1: Join us next time as we continue the conversation with the reverends Maggie and Spencer. People are like, oh, can I cuss around you? Or can I like, do you drink? <laughs> or like, you know, and people are like weird. Yep. And then they like start drinking and then they're like, Well, I learned in Sunday school this thing, and that's Mm -hmm. fucked up. And you're like, yeah, that sounds pretty tough.